nakedness because all they, there's innocence. All they see is all they know, and it's God and His glory. So now they've sinned. They're cut off from that. That's why they can see this. Isn't that amazing? So if we get rejoined to Him through Christ, it ought to change our perspective. It ought to change our view. So what was created to be love and selfless became selfish and void of love, and man started living for himself. I say it all the time, and it's just true. A lot of our relationships that we've ever been in are I love you, do you love me relationships. They're I love you for me relationships. They're I love you for what you do for me, how you make me feel, how you make me complete. That's why you can be broken just as quickly by the one you say you love. Because you're loving them for you. And you can be just as broken and shattered because you're depending on them to fill something to cause you to become something that only Christ can complete. You follow me? That's why there's so much insecurity out there. That's why there's so much devastation and heartbreak. That's, it's how two people can come together and be starry-eyed in the beginning and be sure they love each other and exchange this thing called love and then three, four, five years later, maybe even two children later, the one just says, I don't think I love you anymore. And they seem cold and callous to the other person and undaunted and are able to just walk away. And the other person is shattered, broken, and can't even go on. You ever see a scenario like that? Some people in this room have been in a scenario like that. <laughs> okay? Well, here's what happens. The needs shift. And all of a sudden, the person changes. They grow a little and mature. Something happens, and they don't have the same need. And when they say, I don't love you anymore, actually what they're saying is, I don't need you anymore. And because people need to be needed... <laughs> That devastates the other person because they still have the vacuum. They still need the support system. And now they say, I cannot live without you. And they're broken and devastated. And the other person can just walk away and go on with their life. I'll just be real honest and straight. It was never love in the first place. It was needs driven. It was just needs driven. It's just two people trying to make it <laughs> at the expense of one another. I'm just talking plain. Okay? We're sure it's love. We would argue till we're blue in the face in the beginning, of course. <laughs> don't tell me I don't love them. <laughs> we'll defend that thing like a cat in the corner. <laughs> Aren't they nasty when you get them in the corner? <laughs> oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to have fun with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you just don't get them in a corner. Cat in a corner. Yeah, whoa. So, <laughs> everybody just pray for me. I can get delivered. Come on, tell that thing to get out of me. Tell that thing to get out of me. Oh, whoa, there it goes. I'm free. I love cats. Oh, whoa, whoa. hey. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Cats are amazing. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> 
God, you're awesome. What creativeness. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. Where were we? Visitors are saying, you guys are so nuts. Never coming back to this school. Sorry. It'll get better. Oh, my goodness. Help us, Jesus. You know he's setting us up for some heart-moving kind of time. Whenever it gets this lighthearted, I am so freaked out. <laughs> because it's going to go boom, real quick. And, just, and then we'll ha, ha, ha. And it's, just, it's the anesthesia of God. <laughs> and you're on the front row. <laughs> oh, it's really, really, really good. See, I, I want truth. Jesus said, Jesus came and said, I'm the way. So we know, we think, we think he's the way to heaven, which he is. But when he says, I'm the way, it's so much bigger than I'm, he's the way to go to heaven. He's the way. <laughs> he's the way back to the Father. He's the way of life. He's the way of thinking. He's the second Adam. First Adam blew it big time. Failed to fulfill what he was destined for and designed for. The second Adam came and fulfilled everything the first Adam was granted and given and called to. He fulfilled what Adam failed. You follow it? Simple. The last Adam. Therefore, modeled the life that you and I were created for. We've made him a ticket to heaven. His earthly ministry, Jesus in the flesh, we've made him here and said, well, that was Jesus and made us here. When he came in the flesh and was anointed by God, he laid down his reputation, he emptied himself. Why would God have to anoint him if he was, came as God? How God anointed Jesus. Acts 10.38. Why would God have to anoint him if he came as God? If he came as God, he's already anointed. He came as a man. Anointed by God. He got baptized just like you and I are called to. He didn't, he didn't do one thing or ask us to do one thing that he didn't already do. He said, follow me. He, he even went, and John the Baptist had a hard time knowing it was Jesus in the flesh, the Son of God in the flesh. And he said, you want me to baptize you? It's you that needs to baptize me. He said, permit it, John, so all righteousness could be fulfilled. She baptizes him, and Holy Spirit comes upon him. Well, if he's God, see, He's, he's modeling the way. He says, the things I do, you'll do. In John 20, he says, as the Father sent me, I send you. He calls us the body of Christ. That's the embodiment of Christ, of who he is. That's his terms. We didn't make that up. It's here. Ah. He's come to live inside of us. It's Christ in us, Colossians 1, the hope of glory. What's the hope of glory? The Christ in us. Why? Because he's the way. He's the truth. 
Okay, I'm going to get a little basic with us this morning for some reason, but it's going to be healthy and good. Go to John chapter 1 real quick. And I'm sure we might have covered this in the first week. I don't know, but right now it feels right to get into this love thing, okay? John chapter 1, the gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Who's he talking about? Jesus. And he's the what? Word. Word. Capital W. So God put a body on the word and said, let me show you what the word looks like. (laughs) It's not just a doctrine. It's a life lived. Come on. It's not just eloquence of speech. It's demonstration of power. It's not just a sermon. It's a life lived. We turned it into doctrine. We built churches on every street corner to pay homage to God on a certain day and time. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's <laughs> what we've done. And we know how to bow our heads and seem spiritual at times and say grace. And at night, now I lay me down to sleep. It's a, it's, it's a life lived. It's, we're not paying homage to God. He's coming inside of us to live inside of us to express himself through us. It's the Christian life. That's why we're Christians. Spirit of God in us, flowing through us. But the whole heart is love. It's John chapter 1. Sorry, I went back to Corinthians 13 there. I want to get there. All things were made through who? Through him, through the word. And without him, wow, nothing. Not even cats. See, I'm so repentant today. That thing came out of me. (laughs) Vicky's like, thank you, Jesus. I knew he hears me when I pray. She was up all night interceding for me. I loved that guy till yesterday. I've seen you in him, Lord, but there's one thing you got to tweak. And I'm I'm wondering why I'm shaking all night in bed. (laughs) All things were made through him, and without him, nothing. Was made, <laughs> was made that was made. <laughs> and in him, oh my goodness, in who? Him. So without him, there is no life. Right. We're the living dead without him because you're a seed that never dies and falls to the ground. You're about your own business, your own agenda, your own purpose, your own motivation. Life without him is an experiment at best. Because it's every man for himself. That's why you and I have felt like we were in survival mode our whole life. Trying to fit in and be accepted and people to feel good about you so you feel better about yourself. And needing a little affirmation and people to notice you and feeling less than the people around you. And trying to do whatever it takes to get notoriety and appreciation. Because we're struggling to find ourselves. Come on. Some people handle it better than others, but it's still real and it's still true. It's in him. In him is life. In him was life. 
And look what the life is. It's the light of man. Oh. The psalm says in his light we see light. It's like his life is the light of men. The lights come on in him. All of a sudden you see why you are. You see who you are. You understand why you're created and why me and yay. Jesus makes it clear. Without him, that's why we sing songs like you're my everything. Why is he my everything? Well, because I can't live without him. Well, he's my everything because I have no identity without him. I'm, I'm left alone. In him was life. Without him, no life. Remember that seed thing? If you don't die to yourself and deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him, you'll never reproduce anything because everything is for you. Honestly, guys, a lot of times, even the kind acts, even though they're good and we do them for people, sometimes they still kind of satisfy us, make us feel a little better about ourselves. We do a good thing for people so we feel better about us. It's so easy to do that. And that isn't why we're doing a good thing. It's all about God's nature. It's all about pure love. It's all about multiplying Christ and magnifying God and who He is through your life with zero strings attached. If you get trapped doing things to feel better about yourself, then you're always going to be in that rat race and you're always going to have to compete to keep doing things to affirm yourself. That's the beauty of the whole gospel. The gospel affirms you. In Christ, you feel really good about yourself and through that fullness through that true identity through that healthy place your life starts manifesting good things in other words your hearts change your motives line up to truth now you're not trying to do good to feel good you do feel good in Christ Jesus you understand why you're alive life's a blessing it's not a oh boy life is tough See, the only reason we feel that way is because circumstances are contrary to our desire our liking our preference. Do you see what we're saying here? Well, yeah. Well, here, out of light, the, the Second Corinthians four. The darkness comes. It's the enemy, it's sin, it's, it's blindness. Darkness means a lot, actually. What, what he's talking about, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So in 2 Corinthians 4, it says, God caused light to shine out of darkness. So man fell in the garden, darkness. He's been in darkness since. Since. If you look at the beginning of, of creation, you can almost see a shadow of that. It's like the, everything points to this whole cross and gospel story. In the beginning, there, there's, 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 it says in the beginning there was darkness. God said, let there be light. If you look up the word, it means chaos. And there was things, and, and God brought things into creation. So he fixes, he, 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 he he makes something out of nothing. He, he brings light, and now he makes man in his image and tells him to subdue the beauty of what he made. I'm just trying to nutshell creation for you. 
Man does the only thing that he was told not to do, and the chaos comes back in the darkness. Here, here's man in the image of God. Before God breathes into dirt, he's just a form of what he's created to be. Just a form. He's in God's vision. He's in God's heart. He's in God's destiny, right? God forms him out of the dust. But when the Lord breathed on him into the form, into the vision of what he saw, that vision came alive. And man became a living being in the likeness and image of God. One breath. Oh, that's where we came from. When man sinned and got cut off, Jesus, the Father said, the day you eat the tree is the day you surely die. Did he fall over dead when he ate the tree? No. So it had to mean something else. He died spiritually. His connectivity with the Father, the image, the life flow, the love. Everything that he was in God died and he became a God unto himself. So guess what he was reduced back to? Just a form of what he was created to be. Just a vision, just a shadow, just a potential. You see what happened? That's why when Jesus rose from the dead, the Redeemer put his blood on the mercy seat, shot back to his guys and said, peace be to you all. Why? Because he Roman, Romans 5 warned them. He made peace with God through his blood and came back and said, hey, it's all taken care of. And then he said, and repainted the picture of the garden and breathed back into man. And man was no longer a form, a shadow in the dark. He became alive again and the image was restored and the lifeline connected. Do you get it? Oh, come on. Jesus is the redeemer. He's the restorer. He's the reconciler. He comes back from the dead, justifies us. Watch the power of this in John 20. He says, guys, peace to you. Why? Because God caused light to come out of the darkness. That light shone in the darkness, and the darkness, what comprehend means, is could not overtake it, could not stop it. Come on. Did darkness try to stop the light? Why couldn't it stop the light? This is good. Watch. Because the light is love. And love never fails. <gasps> so you criticize him. You blaspheme him. You mock him. You crucify him. And it just keeps on shining. <gasps> Oh my God, it just keeps on shining. And when we're at our worst, he's at his best. And when sin's abounding, grace is profuse. And... You get it? So he raises from the dead. Martha tries to cling to him. 
I would have too. <laughs> it's not her fault. <laughs> Rabboni! <gasps> Don't cling to me. I know you love me and you like to chat all day and ask me how this is all possible. I know you'd love to hang out. <sighs> you'd probably love to do a 13-week school. But listen. Listen. Whoa, whoa. You can't cling to me. I love you, girl. That's my translation. It's safe to say. Even if he didn't say it, we know it's true. I can't go wrong. I can't miss prophetically if I say Jesus loves you. <laughs> See, I'm such a prophet. <laughs> I am so prophetic. <laughs> I'm really messing up this morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't cling to me, Martha. Don't cling to me. Don't cling to me. You know Martha. She wants the bottom of that robe. Badly. She would hold on there and not let go. <laughs> I'd have pushed her out of the way and got there first and repented later. <laughs> Just a joke. <laughs> I'm really messing up. <laughs> God's getting you lighthearted. We're gonna, he's going to get us. I'm telling you, he's going to get us. <laughs> See, that's the anesthesia. The surgery's coming. <laughs> You're being prepped right now. You're being gowned and the dye's going through and whatever. We'll know right where to cut. That's what Holy Ghost does. He's cool. Martha, don't cling to me. Don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. This is John 20. I know we're in John 1, but it's in John 20. Because it's the end result of what we're starting with here. The word came, guys. He dwelt among us. He was light shining in the darkness. The darkness couldn't stop it because he's love and love never fails. This thing was happening. And as in no of nothing, nobody could do about it. The sin of humanity couldn't stop it because he was here to redeem us from it. People weren't the problem. It was the mindset that we embraced through the fall. It was the deception. It was the thing we believed we were that we weren't. And God knew the truth because he is the truth. <laughs> That's why it was so easy for Jesus to say, forgive them, they know not what they do. Because he knows who we are. The trouble is we haven't known. Why would anybody do something as radical as Jesus did? Because he knows who we are. He loves who he made us to be and he loves the potential of that calling and he won't let it out of his sight. <laughs> Don't cling to me. I haven't yet ascended. So he, he said, go back and tell my brethren. It's a family covenant term, by the way. He didn't say, go tell them a bunch of losers that all scattered when I got crucified. Who tell them a bunch of chicken-hearted, self-centered people that I don't know if I could trust anymore, that I'm going to give them one more chance, and they better be on time and be together. He said, go back and tell my brother. Was he holding any suffered wrong in heart? Was he hurt by them? Even John, who laid his head on his chest and would say the disciple that Jesus loved. It's supposed that he was the young man that they grabbed and he ran and they pulled off his cloak and he took off naked through the 
the trees. It's supposed to have been John, but John, they all scattered, right? They're all in the room for fear of the Jews, true? Jesus didn't bring any of that up. He said, go tell my brethren that I'm going to my God and your God, to my Father, to your Father. Father means come forth from. Tell them I'm going to the one they came forth from in the beginning. He disappears. He shoots back later that day, the same evening that day, and says, peace to you. Why? Because he took his blood, Hebrews 9, into the holy tabernacle of heaven and applied it to the mercy seat in the most high place not made with hands. It wasn't the replica that Moses saw and built. It was the real. And he put his blood on the mercy seat and fixed this thing called sin forever. Bolts back down to the earth. Very excited, I'm sure, because of love. You got to understand that God sent an angel when Jesus was born to set the record straight, said, peace on earth, goodwill toward man. Right? He said, behold, I bring you good tidings of, this is the angel when Jesus was the little babe. 30 some years from the cross, hasn't even gone to the cross yet, and God's pumped, sends an angel to bear witness of his heart. Hey guys, bringing you good tidings, great joy. It's going to be to everybody. Everybody's in. Come on, angels speak on behalf of God. They don't say but what God's saying or they're in the other camp. See ya. Because they're, they're not with God. The angels that didn't say what God was saying are fallen. The ones that carry His glory and majesty and the scent of His presence because they say what He's saying. It shows up in a field and lights up the whole pasture and Jesus is just a little tyke. Nursing. Little swaddling clothes. Jesus chose to do that. To become like a man and pay the price that only a man could pay. He chose to come through the womb of a woman. He didn't just get beamed from heaven and here and some buff 30 year old. He came through the woman. He crock-potted just like you and I did in our mothers for nine months. And when, it, when he was ready, he was served, right? Come on, it's real. The Son of God sat there in the fetal position inside a womb for nine months to do it right. You must be pretty special to God if God Almighty became an embryo and a fetus and a newborn. <laughs> Come on, this is not an Easter story. This is not a Christmas story. It's reality and it's life. It's the Son of the living God became a man to win what man lost, to gain back what man was created to be, to set the example and to make the way to follow him. 
This is amazing. And I grew up thinking it was all about me. (laughs) He puts his blood on the mercy seat, shoots back down to earth, says, peace to you. That angel that popped in the field when he was a little baby. I know it sounds like I'm going back and forth. You'll get the whole story. It'll, It'll just tie together. Think how excited God is. Jesus is a tiny little baby nursing on his mother. And God sends an angel and says, I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy. So the gospel must be something. Must be good news. God called it good tidings, great joy. So if you understand the good tidings, guess what the result of understanding the good tidings is automatically? Great joy. So you're not trying to be happy. (laughs) The message undoes you. When you see it, clear. Gospel means good news, not repent or go to hell. It's you were created much more than you're living. You were never made for yourself but the image of God. You carry the potential of heaven. You can fulfill the kingdom of God and all of his wealth. It's good news. <laughs> you get it? Yes, dear. The mercy seat was in, the mercy seat was in, no one's ever sat on the mercy seat. The mercy seat is in the tabernacle. You can find it in Moses when he built the tabernacle. There's, there's an outer court, inner court, holy of holies. You got the showbread, you got the whole thing. I don't, I don't have time to get into all of that right now, but you have an otter, there was blood, there was, there, Jesus, let's, let's keep it this simple right here. Jesus walked through everything the high priest in the old covenant walked through, but he did it in the holy place. And he didn't have no bells tied to him, <laughs> nor a rope. <laughs> okay, some of you that understand and know. And he went in and put his blood on the mercy seat. He sat down at the right hand of God. Where do you think he's sitting? On his own blood, with his own body. (sighs) Sitting on the mercy seat, sitting down as a seal that the body he gave is able to fulfill the power of the blood that he shed. He sat down there forever mediating on behalf of man and man has mediator God and access to the Holy One because Jesus is sitting there on his blood, on the mercy seat, and mercy toward man. And God looks and sees Jesus, and that's how he sees you. That's how he gets to you, because he sees Jesus, he gets to you. Because Jesus paid the price, finished the work, he sat down forever to declare that he is able to fulfill all that his blood completed. He's not racing Michael and Gabriel on a chariot of fire across the clouds. Because that's what I'd be doing if I was a son of God. (laughs) I would be in the fastest chariot there is and I'd be racing Michael and Gabriel having fun through the universes. (laughs) That's how you think, right? We've seen movies and stuff. But guess what Jesus is doing as a son? Camping out in the womb of a woman. Being raised up, having to be nursed in his little cloths and things. They didn't have pampers. Serious. Had to be changed. Had to be totally dependent on mother. 
That's God. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal to sit and think about that stuff and let it get in you. To understand that the Son of God and the price He paid and the, the, the faith. You know He came by faith because there was a time as a little tiny baby. He's just a tiny infant just like you and I. He didn't have special revelation at, at birth. He didn't have the awareness of a man at birth. He was just like you and I when we were born. God began to make that known. He grew in stature. So he came totally by faith, trusting that God would raise him up and reveal himself to him as a man. That's why when he came out of the river, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm... It's impossible to please God without... So Jesus was full of faith because God was well pleased. <gasps> Isn't the gospel good? <laughs> I love the gospel. <laughs> See, I'm not in a hurry. I sit on my bed and think about this stuff till it washes over me. Till it gets so personal in my heart, I think about it and my heart comes alive in this because I think the Son of God came as a man and didn't cut any quarters, corners. The more power you have, the more prestige you seem to have, the more notoriety you seem to have, you can get away with cutting corners and nobody asks a question because of who you are. It wasn't about cutting corners, it was about paying the way for you and I. And now he tells Martha, don't cling to me. See, you have to understand, God so wants this thing to happen called redeeming you and me. That when Jesus is born, he's sending an angel to proclaim it. He's been waiting for this day. In the fullness of time, Christ came. He prophesied it in Genesis 3, and thousands of years go by, and God's pumped because the day's come. And he sends an angel to proclaim its good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. Make no mistake about it, the gospel is good news. It's not judgment towards man, it's the redemption of man, and everybody's in if we'll just be humble and believe and give back what was never ours. Our own will and our own life. <laughs> it's all it costs you. Giving back something you were never created to be. Something we inherited through the lie of sin. Something we actually received from the devil, if you want to get plain about it. <laughs> his nature and his character. See, man didn't just sin in the garden, guys. He became just like God's enemy. He says, if you love the world, you've made yourself an enemy to God. That means the world and the things of it and the way it thinks and feels and is motivated. The whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one. But yet the earth is the Lord in the fullness thereof. So God's going to win this thing all back. He's going to set the record straight. But yet the whole world lies in the sway of the wicked one. He's the prince and power of the air. The Bible calls Satan at one point the God of this world. Meaning that his mindset lords over people. Thinking for me, myself, and I. Selfishness, it's the root of all sin. All sin. The root of all sin is thinking for yourself. It's the total opposite of love. So the angel says, good tidings, great joy, all people. And while the angel's speaking, because he says, behold, it is born this day to you in the city of David, 
a savior, Jesus. He's the Christ. And while the angel's speaking, guess what happens? A multitude of heavenly hosts fills the sky. It's a sign of emotion and expression. God couldn't express his heart with one angel, so he just fills the sky with heavenly hosts. And they all began to sing, glory to God in the highest. Yeah, he is so pumped. He's so excited. He says, I can't contain it. I need to, I need to send more drama. <laughs> One angel ain't cutting it right now. I'm feeling pretty excited because I'm about to get the kids back on my lap again. I'm about to hug somebody again. I'm about, I don't have to come in a cloud pretty soon. I don't have to protect myself and protect them from who I am and keep myself from sin. I don't have to come in a tent of meeting. I don't, pretty soon I can come right back on the inside like it was from the beginning as if there was never sin. Better get that personal with it. Or you just have a doctrine and a religion and you'll still feel the same and you'll pay homage to God. (laughs) He doesn't want you to pay homage. He wants you to open up so he can live inside of you. (laughs) And not for a week. He's not renting a room. (laughs) He's coming to live. He's coming to stay. He's moving in. He's got his bags. Can you picture it? He comes because he doesn't want to live in a place made with hands. So could you imagine him walking up to you with all of his bags and he says, can I please, could you like take me in? I have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to go. Can you take me in? Would you receive? I have nowhere to go. I've been longing for a home. You look like the perfect home. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's his heart. He's longing to be one. And she, of course, is sure. <laughs> Whoa. Christ in me. Isn't that cool? Oh, I'm so undone. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so he sends a multitude, heavenly hosts. He's really, angels only say what God's saying when they're sent like that. So when they say glory to God in the highest, he's really saying, hey, praise my name. Ain't I amazing? I haven't hardened my heart. I'm not nothing like the devil and I'm not like man's become. I love you. I believe the best. I have vision for you. It's stayed intact all these years. No matter how many mistakes man's made, I haven't lost sight of you. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Good will toward man. And what are we still saying 2,000 years after the cross? Well, I don't know why God did that. I don't know why God let that happen. Well, I don't know why God. Well, why would God take that? Well, why would God? God, God, God. God's will is good. Good will. Told you the other day, he's not rolling balls across the street and patting kids' heinies. Go chase the ball and then sending the car. That is not the Spirit of God. Goodwill. Peace on earth. Goodwill. Jesus shoots to heaven, comes back in the evening on the same day, and what's the first thing out of his mouth? Peace be to you. It's in John 20. Why did he say that? Because of his blood. He's made peace with God. 
on behalf of man. He subsided any wrath, any judgment, any cost of sin. And then that's when he does that most amazing thing we just said. He goes back the whole way to Genesis when God saw man for who he really was. And breathed into Adam, the redeemer, the second Adam, the reconciler, the redemption of man, the savior of the world. He came and rescued us. Took that same breath and breathed it back into his disciples. What's the huge significance? Because he said, be filled with holy. So they weren't dead anymore, were they? They were alive and sealed with the seal for that day of redemption. But what's the significance? Watch. When he breathed back into them, the blood was so powerful, the work was so complete, that when he breathed back into them, he took us back to garden and erased everything in between. He made it as if man never ate the tree. As if man never fell and followed the voice. That's the part we've missed. And we still live flesh conscious and self conscious. Sometimes hear the gospel in a self serving way. We lean on God when times are tough. No. When he breathes back into us, what's he saying? You're totally free from sin as if it never was. I'm back inside of you. Yay. It's where I always wanted to be. <laughs> As if man never what? Sinned. So what's he tell his disciples when he's teaching them on the earth to follow him, to follow him, to follow him, right? That he's the example. He says, and if you come after me, if any man come after me, he must first deny himself. We talked about this the other day. Peter gets a revelation that Jesus is the Christ. He says, who do you guys say I am? First he says, who does men say that I am? It's Matthew 16. Who do men say that I am? And he says, well, some say Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He says, but who do you say? See, that's the question you have to answer. Because a lot of people are saying a lot of things about Jesus. People say sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. <laughs> they say a lot of things about Jesus. <laughs> he gets credit for a lot of stuff that he doesn't deserve. <laughs> Watch this. He says, but who do you say that I am? Peter lifts his voice and says, you're the Christ, the Son of God. And he says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father. Right? Three verses later, I'm going to be turned over to the hand of the Gentiles. I'm going to be spit upon, mocked, crucified. <gasps> this shall never happen to you. Sounds noble. Sounds like a friend protecting a friend. Jesus called it Satan. And you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. You're just being sentimental. And you're trying to protect me because you say you love me. And if you really understood and really loved and understood, you'd say, wow, you're amazing. And you'd cheer me to the cross is what Jesus is saying. Because Peter was thinking for who? Himself. It sounds like he loves Jesus. 
This shall never happen to you. Well, no, it has to happen to him or we wouldn't be sitting here. He's the lamb slain before the foundation. For this reason I was born. This shall never happen to you. It was an it was a, it was a intellectual, sentimental expression to someone that... There's different words for love. Phileo love probably would be the best way to describe that. I could get in trouble for saying that. But it was human expression. Human sympathy. Human sentiment. And it was actually seated in selfishness because he had in mind the things of man. In other words, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. Nobody's taking you from me. Ain't nobody killing you. So Peter wanted to reserve him for who? For himself, and we wouldn't be sitting here. And they just had a personal, close relationship (laughs) or whatever. He was missing the whole point, right? Couldn't see because he was thinking for. Jesus reveals he was thinking for himself. You have in mind the things of man and not the things of God. Let's jump back in here in John. I know I had a couple hands. I'm, I'll get to you if I can, if it's still relevant. Just hold off on me for a minute here. I just got to get some things accomplished. I do my best. You guys know I give you a lot of liberty with questions. So please understand if I get in this kind of mood where I feel like I just want to keep rolling. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. There was a man sent. Now he's telling the story. Okay? He just nutshelled the whole thing from the beginning to Jesus coming. It's just so beautiful. In like four or five verses, there's so much there. It's all there if you understand the book. Now he's going to tell the story. It's kind of like in Genesis 1. He tells the story, or he tells the whole picture, and then in Genesis 2, he tells the story and creates man. It sounds like he's already created, but now he walks you through it, right? He's doing that here. There was a man sent from from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him, how many? All through him might believe. So is everybody in? Are you all special to God? Is everybody have a green light and grace to God? Towards God, right. He, to get towards God. He was not that light. John was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Okay. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So light comes from God. Light is truth. Light is illumination, awareness, understanding. Light, you could could define this word. I know you could look it up, but don't limit it just to a certain definition. You think about what light means here. He was the true light. He's he's the the clearest expression of truth. He's, He's the truth, okay? Watch this. He gives light to every man. In other words, he gives understanding, gives direction, gives purpose, restores destiny. I find myself in him. You follow me? Don't read your Bible fast. You got to read this stuff and think about it and pray and ask Holy Spirit so you're not just quoting the word. Who cares if we can quote the word? 
Come on, I'm being real. That's not blasphemous. Who cares if you can quote the word if you're not becoming the word? You can quote the whole Bible. Who cares if it's not your reality? It'll just puff you up and people will think you're amazing because you can quote it all. And then you'll be a big egghead in knowledge. (laughs) You need to hatch. I'm just, you get puffed up. Quoting the Bible will become who you are. Well, you ought to hang around Dan. He can quote the whole Bible. That stuff impresses us. We're not impressed with quoting the Bible. Satan could care less if you can quote the Bible. In fact, I think he likes when certain people can quote the Bible if they're not becoming the Bible because he just increases the stronghold of religion and wrong relationship and identity, I mean. See, because quoting the Bible could take the place of knowing him. And now you're doing a daily devotion, devoting your time to him, and that becomes your identity instead of face-to-face intimacy. I'm not against daily devotion if it's a contact point of faith to him. But don't just do a daily devotion to go through it because the book is, wow, that's poetic. Wow, that's cool. Wow, that's my word for today. And you read that and you tell all your friends and never talk to the Lord. (laughs) Are you following me? I mean, the Holy Spirit, we've become more religious than we realize. It would be nice if he'd invade some of our devotional time. Because we're doing all the right Christian things because we're good people. But it could be missing relationship in the midst. The reason we're doing the devotion because we have a good heart. We have a right heart. But we have a wrong understanding sometimes. And we think it's what we do that makes us Christian. You're not going to live your Christian life just out of your sheer knowledge. There's no transformation in that. The more you know, the more your conscience is subject to and accountable to. After a while, the more you know that you don't become, it starts working against you and judging you. Next thing you know, you're quoting the word to somebody, and in your heart, you know it's not even your life. And at some point, you've got to face that. Are you guys real with this? Come on, I want to become the word. The word becomes flesh. The word becomes flesh and dwells where? Among us. You're going to see that. Watch this. Here's what I want you to see. This is just huge to me. And I know you guys probably know what this is saying, but I want to think about it a little. I told you I'm going to take my time with this. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Come on, he's like, he's the founder, CEO. He's the president. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. Ah! Sounds like we took a hard left turn and drove out into the boonies somewhere. (laughs) Come on. The founder, the creator, the CEO, president comes, and nobody knows who he is. He came in the world. The world was made through him. The world didn't know him. Why? 
Because through sin, everything 180 so extreme, everything turned so far from who he is that when he came, who are you? Because it became darkness. And he's the light. The good thing about light is it's not threatened by darkness. And that which reveals and makes manifest is the light. And that which is exposed is removed. Look, look. These lights, really, unless you come up here and turn, and these lights get, they're bright. Right? They are. I, I don't really care for them all that much. I understand I have to do them. That's why you see me do this sometimes. Do you ever see me do this? They're bright. They're constantly glaring here. If I want that to change, which I can't because these guys are in charge and I'm serving heart and I have to pay the price of the light. <laughs> But if I would look back and ask them to, turn, to change something, I wouldn't say, could one of you guys please turn up the darkness? It's way too bright here. Yeah. <laughs> could somebody turn up the darkness? So we, you don't talk that way. For a light. Man, it's bright. Could you, Randy, could you turn up the darkness just a little bit? No. If it gets dimmer, what happened? Somebody turned down the light. Because light is greater. Light dominates. But you have to understand, the light came into the world, and the world didn't recognize and know the light. Why? Because it was consumed in the darkness. It was born into Adam. All it knew was sin and selfishness and depravity and religious traditional practice where God was concerned. So when the true and living God came, the way it really is came. The real deal in the flesh standing in front of you. Who are you, dude? Say what? Well, ain't the way we do things around here. Well, ain't the way we talk around here. Hello? It's important. This is in your Bible for a reason. That the one that created the world came to the world and the world said, who do you think you are? And took the, had the audacity to take the initiative to put him on a cross and kill him. And he's the one that made the world and made them. That's how lost people are without him. And they think they're right while they're doing it. It says there's going to be a time when people will kill people, they'll hate one another, and they'll kill people and say they're doing God a favor because they got rid of you. Yeah. Watch this. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not, didn't even know him, did not recognize him. That's good. That's in your translation? Good word. Did not recognize him. God. Watch this. Taking my time on purpose. Let's sink in. He came to who? His own. And his own did not 
Oh, that's a sad day. That's a ticket for hurt and rejection and pain. But you're my own. I can't believe you did. Why would you follow the devil? I'm the one that gave you life. You wouldn't even be alive if it wasn't for me. He had a lot of issues if he'd have thought like we grew up thinking. <laughs> he had a pretty long list. <laughs> come on. That's, we're crushed right there. You, you come to your own and your own doesn't receive you. You got serious grounds to be shattered. But it's my own family. How would you feel if they didn't appreciate you? Don't tell me I needed this. That's my family and they don't even love me. And you're shattered for the rest of your life because of how man sees or doesn't see your life when God all the while knows the truth about who you are. And the only reason they see you that way is because they don't know the truth about who they are or you are. Come on, it happened to Jesus. And it didn't phase him. Why does it phase us? Because of natural wisdom and the fall of man. Come on. There is nothing Jesus didn't go through that you've went through. He was tempted at all points, yet without sin. Right there's a perfect example. Right there, he's faced with the opportunity to take that to heart. But because he lives by the Spirit and he's one with the Father and he's perfect, unfailing love, he's not even thinking about taking it to heart. Because he understands the bigger picture. And he's not living surface and shallow. And he's not letting men determine who he is. He knows where he came from and he knows where he's going. Me and the Father are one. I always do the things he asks. <laughs> right? <laughs> So he comes to his own, his own. You guys following this? Some translations, does anybody's translation say uh, his own domain? He comes to his own dwelling or his own domain or his own creation? So he came to the world he created, <laughs> but what he created rejected him didn't want him is that what the message says isn't that amazing why wouldn't they want him because of the selfish drive that came through sin and all of a sudden his way his way which is the way confronted the way that was on the earth and that, that's why people, when you get lit up on fire and everything's good and you actually have true joy in your heart and you get around certain people, especially close to your life, and you're not even preaching to them. You're just blessed. You're, you're joyful. They're fretting, bothered, concerned, trying to talk you out of joy. You're riding a pink cloud. You need to chill. I don't know what's going on with you because all that threatens people. It, makes, it, it challenges your little world. When I got saved at work, it was ridiculous how it made my coworkers squirm that I lived the way I lived. So they thought their answer was to get together in a group and find strength in numbers and criticize and mock and make fun and persecute. But yet all alone, their wheels were spinning when they were all alone. Because my life confronted them and sent another message. It made them think twice about themselves. And people don't like that when you have your own agenda. You don't want to be faced with that. It's that whole comparison thing. Who knows that I can live my life in a certain way 
and have no desire to compare my life to yours, but you automatically do it because of the confrontation in your own heart. There was a season in my own family, in my own house, where my family got so caught up in what I'm talking about because they weighed themselves compared to me and, and, and compared themselves to me and I wasn't bashing nobody in my house with the Bible. Well, you guys need to read your Bible. Why aren't you seeking the Lord? Well, you wouldn't act that way if you were seeking Jesus. Never said none of that. Just because of the violation of their own heart and soul, it got, there was a season in my house where I couldn't even sit on a chair and read my Bible because it got so weird in my house because my family was believing I'm doing it to make a statement. Did you read your Bible today? And that was totally believable to them. That's why they thought I was sitting on the chair reading my Bible. Because they were convicted in their own heart about things. And they were comparing their life to my life. So now they're stereotyping my motives. So if I just plop on a chair in my own house. Came to his own. My own house and pop open the Bible and read. All of a sudden I'm judged for reading in front of you. So to convict you, maybe you ought to get your Bible out and read, huh? So guess what I did? Started going to my bedroom and just reading or taking a ride and reading in the woods. Because I didn't want to push an agenda. I didn't. So I didn't just keep. You say, well, you should have just kept reading that in, in the chair. No, I'm not picking a fight and I'm not hurt. Man, I can't even read a Bible in my own house. It's my house. I'm the one that earns a living. I'm the one that paid for the house. I can't even sit in my own chair and read a Bible if I want to. I never used to want to read my Bible. They ought to be happy I read my Bible. I used to not read my Bible and I'd live like hell. Now I want to live like heaven and read my Bible. And now it's like they want me to go back to hell. <laughs> Poor me. I wish somebody prayed for me and have compassion on me because life isn't fair. My family's not fair. And, Brother, could you minister to me and pray for me? My family's mistreating me. Thought never crossed my mind. Never. I'm not mistreated. I'm so loved and blessed, it's ridiculous. (laughs) And you don't have to understand it, and you don't have to appreciate it. You'll never change it. (laughs) I am so blessed, it's absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) Because I'm in, and I'm not out. (laughs) I'm accepted, and I'm not rejected. (laughs) I'm loved by the Father. <laughs> and I know the why behind my life. And you can criticize. You can, look, come on. How else could Jesus do this if he wasn't love? How could he come to the world that he created and it not know him, come to his own, and they not receive him and him stay the same? Because he didn't come for him. He came for you to redeem you, to send a message, to model love, to walk out truth. Or man, he could have called things on the carpet quick. He could have called fire like his disciples. We call fire, they ain't following. We could call some fire. You don't even know what spirit you're of, Jesus said to his disciples. They want to call down fire on people. John and James want to sit both at each side in that day. (laughs) The other disciples are indignant. Now they have inner circle issues. Selfish brothers, who do they think they are? Well, why wouldn't they think one of us could sit in them seats? Them guys, they beat Jesus to it. I was wishing to ask him. I wish I'd asked him yesterday. They beat me to the punch. 
They're just mad. It says they were all indignant towards the brothers. Ministerial issues. Where did it all stem from? Selfish thinking. Ah, it's a strong statement, but that's where it comes from today. All the ministerial issues and the people issues. Why are we thinking like we still used to think now that Christ has come? I'm telling you, if you don't pull out the permission slip to be offended and hurt and angry, you'll get religious. There's, there's no other way about it. You'll be religious. You'll be a form. You have to pull out the permission slip to be offended, angry, and understand that you're being formed in love. And anger and frustration and opinions and gossip are a zero. They are no more a part of your life because you're born again. And the old man died. And that was the old man. So why is he still showing up in the new man? You have to settle in your heart. You have to deny yourself. You have to say, I have no permission to be those things. They are non-productive. They are self-centered. They are traps. You got to get alone in your bedroom and walk with the presence of the Lord there and tell him you have no rights in your life except one to look like you, Father, to think like you, to live like you. I follow you, Lord, in Christ. And you kneel and nobody in the world's looking. And you kneel and you say, my heart is free because you've delivered me from the fall. I'm telling you, it's that important. This isn't something you get by doctrinally lining it up and just listening to me teach today and yesterday and tomorrow. This is something you have to give yourself to because you realize you weren't created for anything less than his image or more. And you get alone and you face that. And you talk this thing out so that it becomes yours. That's why I write little notes and do the things I do. And I sit and I think and I dwell on this stuff. And it doesn't get boring to me. Because I know what it's like living in the flesh. I know what it's like living selfish. It's, it's miserable. Life is miserable without truth. And the reason a lot of Christians think it's still miserable is because we haven't made these adjustments. Freedom is when you're free from you and the needs of others, expectations. Come on, because if you come into your own and your own don't seem to receive you. I know people, they, 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 they live off of that stuff in the church. They come to church in hopes that they find their answer there and their answer's him. They're thinking, I'll go to where it's supposed to be loving. I'll get some favor, get some attention, get some people to cuddle around me and pray. Oh, I love when they pray for me. It makes me feel so special. It's a twist. You're setting yourself up. Because on the day when they don't seem to be as sensitive as they could be, and they might really have a strong need over here or feel drawn over there, and here you are insecure needing them to surround you, and all of a sudden it doesn't seem like the people you're depending on are there, and now you're shattered, and Jesus is Lord, and he loves you. It's because you're there for all the wrong reasons. 
And there might be a season to nurture you and wrap your arms around somebody like that. But at some point, you need to assure them who they are and listen, da-da-da-da-da. You can't put people in that position. I am constantly protecting that in people in my life because I'm moving here. I got people around me wanting to talk. And there's people in the wings and there's people. And I'm always looking and listening in the Lord to make sure people aren't vulnerable and hurt. And well, he has time for them. And and so and so, they always seem to be talking to him. I've been trying to talk for two days, three days, and da-da-da. I try to get a aware of that stuff so I can just even yesterday Sean can testify to this where is he I know he was here there he is I yelled over to you didn't I I said are you waiting to see me buddy remember that's protecting that's pastoring that's I'm just aware of that because he was listening he was hanging close and we're talking and he was just kind of here and I didn't know if he was listening or and I remember thinking uh Sean's waiting to see me but I was giving my heart here and I'm not ignoring him I'm just giving my heart here and next thing you know he's gone and this leads to this and that now I'm up here and Shiloh's singing and blessing my heart beyond measure and and in Kira and it was just beautiful and I look out and there's Sean standing right there and I said I, I just saw him and he was looking some other way and I said hey buddy are you waiting to see me? That's just protecting him. So, so, and that's not because there's weakness in him. It's just thinking about people because I've seen that stuff happen. It's just being sensitive to people. Because if Sean's not careful, if you're not careful, you really did want to talk. And then you hung here. And, and instead of looking this way, all of a sudden I just get pulled this way because somebody's a little more aggressive or somebody says, hey, and because a lot of people are aggressive. I'll be talking to somebody and somebody will walk right up to me and just start talking to me while I'm talking. And, and I don't correct that. I actually, what? And, and I just, because I just, I just, I just go with the flow. But if you're not strong, you're standing there saying, no, I finally got up here and they just cut right in the middle and just cut me off. Selfish. Man, they're so, and next thing you know, your heart takes that in and you're hurt. And three weeks later, you're watching them. You're thinking that and you're remembering them. Little, silly little things. And now you see them talking to me. Oh, I bet they just cut off Sally too. Cause I know how that feels right in my face. Like they're the only one on the earth. <laughs> and next thing you know, this thing just builds. Now you don't even like Sister Susie because she's just so belligerent. Just jumps in the front of everybody and thinks she's the most valuable and the only one on the earth. And now you're standing there singing and worshiping how Jesus is awesome and how holy God is. And you don't even want to look over and you see Sally and she's doing the same thing. And you think, yeah, right, girl, you ought to get up that altar and repent as soon as Pastor Don has an altar call and get that wickedness out of your own heart, girl. Jesus, I love you, though. <sighs> Duh. Come on. <laughs> see? See, if you have those kind of desires and needs and expectations, you will be on the run constantly. You'll be just, you'll be slapped around, beat up, messed up. You can get in circles with Christians. And they can tell you what atmospheres are and aren't loving. They can tell you what churches have issues and exactly what, because they've been in all them settings trying to serve their needs. And those settings have failed them and now they have issues and chips on their shoulder. And now they talk about other congregations where they haven't satisfied their soul. <laughs> Instead of blessing them and speaking life over it. It's because we take things personal and won't be humble enough to admit it. Because you don't owe me a thing. So how can you fail me and hurt me and I go tell you somebody something bad about you? That sure wouldn't be love, would it? Come on. 
I'm just talking plain, straight-up stuff. And you know I talk this way all the time. You know I talk this way all the time. And you still came to the school, so you're not surprised that I'm talking this way. <laughs> I talk this way all the time because we need to. Because we're getting waylaid by these little things. It's these little foxes that sneak in. Little attitudes, little mindsets, little things that we haven't allowed to be renewed. Little things we hold on to and cleave to as if they're our own birthright. Your birthright is the nature of God. Your birthright is the image of Christ. Your birthright is love. Call no man on earth your father. Don't think you were born into anything of the earth. No man on earth. You weren't brought forth by the earth. Call no man on earth your father. You didn't come forth by the earth. You have one father. You came forth from one father. He's in heaven. That's your roots. That's your destiny. That's your inheritance. Call no man on earth your father, Jesus said. Matthew 23, 9. You have one father. <laughs> you getting this? You all all right? He came to his own. His own didn't receive him. Oh, oh. Here's how I see this. But as many as received him, uh-oh. It sounds like when his own didn't receive him, he didn't change and he stayed open and he's still love. The last I checked, Jesus is still love. The last I checked, man had no power to change who he is, but he still possesses the power to change man. <laughs> last time I looked, he is the same, Irene. He has not changed. But as many as received him, So the rejection didn't change a thing, right? right. <gasps> whoever, whoever got saved and had this experience with Jesus in your bedroom and he comes to you and he starts weeping. He says, well, I'm glad you received me and accept me because so many people don't even love me and appreciate who I am. I just really appreciate it. I have a friend in you and I can trust you. At least you believe. <laughs> would we do that? <laughs> we would, wouldn't we? <laughs> oh, come on. Remember yesterday? If, it's, if you bring Jesus into the picture and it sounds silly, it ought to sound silly if we're in there because we're in his image. Why can we take the things we say, put Jesus in it, the attitudes we live in, the mentalities we live in, enter Jesus into the picture, and it sounds silly and ridiculous because we know who he is, but it doesn't sound silly when we're in the equation because we don't know who we are. It ought to sound just as silly. When I did that Last Supper thing yesterday, that thing hit our hearts. It was hitting my heart big. I've never used those illustrations. They just came up out of my heart. It sounded so ridiculous because no one could picture Jesus ever even spitting any of those words out. But we know deep down in, most of us would be tempted to embrace that very language and call it acceptable. And if it sounds silly... With Jesus in the picture, it ought to be just as silly with you in the picture because Christ is in you and he's the hope of glory. That's how 
You gauge your life for change when nobody's looking. Don't just read your Bible. You look at Jesus. You look to him. You seeing Jesus. He's your model. He's the precedent center. He's the forerunner. He's the pace setter. We follow him, guys. We're sitting and we're looking and, 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 you know, it's like the bracelets when they come out, what would Jesus do? There's a, there's, a, there's a good idea there. There's a good thought there. God forbid it's just a Christian fad and we're all wearing WWJD and doing what we'd normally do. But now the world says you're a bunch of religious people. Got your little fish all over the back of your car. Bunch of little just making a statement, speaking for Christ. No, your life speaks for Christ. Your attitude, your mentality, your love. It's not a good idea to wear a Christian t-shirt if you're not living like Christ. It's not a good idea to put a little fish symbol on the back of your car if you're yelling at the person that pulled out in front of you. It's not a good idea to take the silly fish thing off. Because you're just using that as a superficial affirmation. No, become like Christ and people will see you're in. Not against the fish thing. What I'm saying is it can do more harm. Why do we need to make those kind of superficial outward statements when it's your life that bears witness to Christ? I got Christian t-shirts. I'm not against them and I'm not against you with your little fish symbol in the car. Don't hear me legalistic. I'm saying let's go deeper than Christian screensavers, ringtones, t-shirts, and paraphernalia, all this stuff. Little crosses. That is not what makes us Christian. Love makes us Christian. And you do people harm when you're in the mall and you got a need to wear that stuff because it makes you feel close to God. That is not what it's about. Feel close to God. God is inside of you. (laughs) If you have to wear a cross so you feel close to God, you're missing something that's real. And you need to grow there because you're the ball and, and, you, and you're not getting your thing or somebody takes the last thing on the rack or somebody cuts you off in the line and you share some little disgruntled thing and yet you got your little Jesus cross symbol there. That stuff speaks. People think, yeah, probably a Christian too, a bunch of hypocrites. You just don't realize what we do. To, we're supposed to bear witness to Christ. I don't know how I got on this topic. Oh, God. I'm just saying. Yeah, they all know that we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know that. And we had church splits, heard it, brother so-and-so called meeting with pastor because of what Billy did, and I'm ticked off. And in the meeting, you have to get the room settled down just to be able to even talk. You have to take the permission slip to be offended out of your life if you're ever going to grow in Christ. How's that for straight? Because you're fooling yourself. You're, fool, you're teaching yourself religion. If you have permission to be offended, okay. First John 2, real quick. I'm just going to read a scripture quick. And then we're going to get on this thing a little bit more here. But we're going to have to take a break soon. First John chapter 2, real quick, real quick, real quick. Yeah. Verse 6 of 1 John 2. Oh my goodness, this is good. He who says he abides in him. 
Who here would say they abide in him and he in them? Who's in covenant with God? Who's born again? Y'all born again? Good. Anybody not? You're in class. We, can, we need to fix that if you're in class. <laughs> he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So are you abiding in him for security's sake, for heaven's sake, just, just for blessing's sake? Are you abiding in him and he in you so you can manifest him and live like him and think like him and walk like him? See, that isn't how we were taught Christianity, most of us. Most of us were taught to ask Jesus into our heart. Weren't we? Come on, receive him into your heart. <laughs> Feel a little facetious, a little cynical. We shallowed this thing up so bad. Pray a prayer to get your name in a book. God forbid that's what you're doing. You're getting rid of the old. You're, you're putting away the lie. So that when he comes to his own, his own knows who they are. And don't reject him and not receive him. <laughs> We're dying to the old. We're putting the old man down, dead. Old things pass away. Behold, all things. <laughs> all things become new. If any man says he abides in him, he ought to also walk even as he walked. Brethren, I'm writing no new commandment to you. This is nothing new, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away. Oh, I love that phrase. And the true light is already shining. In other words, we're moving forward. The glory of God's being revealed. There's revelation on the earth. There is truth rising up. Okay? Now watch this. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother... is in darkness until now. Whoa. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for offense in him. Or stumbling. See what love is? Love is freedom, church. And love keeps everybody in the rightful perspective. Whether they're doing right or wrong, you still don't lose sight of who they are. Isn't that how God saw us? If God didn't see us that way, he'd have never went into the womb of a woman and walked his life on the earth and died on a cross and be beaten undescribable if that wasn't true. Think with me. And it has to be deeper than you asking him into your heart and going to heaven someday. It's the transformation of life. Please don't forget it. Christianity is the transformation of life. It's not a prayer to go to heaven. It's the transformation of life. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. 
My dear friends, I'm not any, writing anything new here. This is the oldest commandment in the book, and you've known it from day one. <laughs> it's message Bible. It's fun to tap into the message Bible. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So it sounds like darkness blinds, so he comes to his own and his own receive him not. He comes to the world which was made through him and the world doesn't know him. Sounds like blindness. True? So people were living self-centered, selfish, in hate. Probably hated him pretty bad to put him on a cross. That's some pretty passionate feelings to kill a man. Do you know that Jesus said if you hate in your heart, it's the same as murder? Do you know why? Because when you hate in your heart, you cut a man off. You, you, you cut off his destiny, his potential. You stereotype, you label him. You identify him for your hate and your feelings, and he has no other destiny. You judge him and it's the same as murder. You can't see him past the thing you hate and you cut off his identity in your heart. It's the same as murder. So you can't bring the best out in a person then. All you can do is nitpick and fault find. And like Pastor preached weeks ago, he might not even know you feel that way and the whole time he's okay and you're the one in prison. Come on, don't be deceived by these things. You, you can't reserve the right. I, I'm telling you, there's a mindset out there. I, I, I did it years ago. I haven't done it since, but I'm sure it's still out there. It's probably as much as ever. Somebody had said to me, I was preaching, they said, did you see any of these? I said, well, I don't watch TV. I might turn on a baseball game or a basketball game in the fall or something like that. I might watch a nature program or, you know, Animal Planet, Cats 101, or Everybody Loves Cats. I might turn on something like that, but I'm so free. That thing came out of me, Vicky. Look at that. No stiffness. Watch, cats. See, yesterday it would have been cat. <laughs> but they were like, these talk shows, these talk shows on TV. And I turned on some of these talk shows one day. I, I went home. I was pastoring at YCF. And I went home and I turned on these talk shows. I, I cried. They got a person sitting here. A couple people sitting here. Hostility, hate, rightness. Who said, he said, she said, tit for tat. The audience is, 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 is getting off. Forgive the crudeness of what that sounds like. They're, 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 they're getting off on being judge and giving their decree and anger and hostility and people just listening in, getting enraged. And, and then they, what do you think, audience? And somebody, Rah! like they did it to their own son and, 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 just, and, and just victim and kill them and poor you and kill them and and the whole thing, the whole thing is just highlighting the way that seems right to man. And, and I, I started to find out, I started to ask around and find out that Christians were being entertained by those talk shows, watching those talk shows. Christians, Christians. 
Dan, you're, you're getting legalistic now. Absolutely not. If you're watching talk shows like that, you are so working against what the Spirit of God wants to do in your heart. You're actually empowering a stronghold that needs to be broken. There can't be one viable reason to watch something like that and not cry. A show like that would make Jesus cry. Not entertain. Not catch to see who's right and who's wrong. It's the sad peril of sin and life at the cost of one another. It, uh, it, it's so strategic. It's so demonic. Because what it does is it paralyzes the human soul. It gets you into a place where you get all caught up and you give your heart to it. You find purpose in it. All of a sudden, you call your friend. Did you watch that show today? I can't believe she did that to him. Do you hear? I mean, or he did that to her. And all of a sudden, it's like it's actually some big deal and it gives you meaning. And now you're all hyped up over it. And you're friends and you can't watch Wait to watch the finale and the, and the final. And... <sighs> That's the mindset that Jesus died and raised from the dead to remove from us. It's the very reason he had to come and take the punishment that he took to get that thing away. That mindset in the heart of God is like night and day. And just because we can relate to it doesn't mean it's who we are. We can only relate because we had lost our innocence and we all took a fall with Adam. But we sure ought to be able to change our mind now that Christ has come. It's not tit for tat, he said, she said. The reason I'm so straight and direct and, 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 and seemingly merciless in this topic is because as a pastor, Pastor Don's over there, I, I don't really need the strength of his head nod, but I know I could get it. Countless, countless times behind the scenes, the need for Christians to prove who's right and wrong and you don't know what they did to me. Well, let me tell the story first. Yeah, but let me, and they get their list out of grievances. Do I have a head nod? Sure. Countless times. To where actually would this be an overstatement? It's that way more than it's not. Is that true? Sure it is. It tells us we're missing something. See, I could, you have no idea how grace allows me to preach this stuff and how this stuff tears me up. If I was in a bedroom right now, it'd be intercession time. Only grace is keeping tears from pouring down my face so I can finish out what I'm saying. That right there is a tragedy. That more than not, it's rightness instead of righteousness. And here's the sad statement that it's making to us as a whole. We want what he wants to do for us. But we don't want to become like him. I'm not talking to you guys. That's why we're in school. 
I'm saying guard your heart from ever. Because what you're saying is, I want your forgiveness without becoming forgiveness. I want your mercy without becoming mercy. I want sonship without living like a son. I want everlasting life without entering into the true realm of life. I want what you can do for me. Forget looking more like you. Just bring it on. If that is even an inkling in your mentality, you actually have the right to be disappointed with God somewhere down the road. And the clay will surely find fault with the potter. You can't let that be in your life. You deny yourself. It's break time. Yeah, go ahead. Let's do it. We can pick up. Sorry, it's that intense. There's just no way around it. It's just that intense. <laughs> I was going to say, hey, the music stopped, but I remembered yesterday a long time ago. You guys ready? Pulling together? Bless you, man. Good to meet you. Huh? Okay. Thanks, Father. We love you. We love you. We love you. Ha <laughs> ha. Jesus, you're amazing. Let's just try to get through this quick. You guys all ready? Yeah. You all back? You set? Good. Verse 12 of John 1. Gospel of John. John, the gospel of John. I took you to 1 John 2 just to show you that when you walk in love, there's no cause for offense. So if we're still finding ourselves offended about things, just keep getting perfected in love. You've got to take the reality of offense to your prayer place. Take the reality of offense to your intimacy with God. Express that for what it really is, that it's not who you are. It's not, don't go there, I'll beat up God, I'm still offended, I mustn't be, you know, pure, believing. No, no, no. You go into your prayer closet. Father, I feel like things are still rubbing me wrong, and I feel like I'm just getting so offended at sister so-and-so because of this, and I feel like she knew better, and I'm just giving myself a right because I'm, I'm being so analytical. I'm feeling like she knows exactly what she's doing, and if she really loves me and is sincere, why would she do that? It's just starting to tick me off, right? You're getting alone. You're getting real with that and say, Father, that is so not your heart, and I just refuse to believe that, and Lord, I thank you that you've You've created me to love. And, and you begin to make the exchange. You put off and you put on in prayer. Put off, put on. Colossians 3 says you're to put off anger, wrath, malice, filthy speaking. How do you put things off without getting into Christian works and just biting your lip to not do it? See, that's what we try to do. We try to live better. But you can't live better until grace changes our hearts. And grace changes our hearts when we release faith in the truth of what our hearts are called to be. Or you just go bite your lip and try to be a better Christian. How do you put off anger without trying to do it, biting your lip and not being angry? You take it out of your created value in your understanding, your belief system, and realize that it was the fall of man and you weren't created to be angry. You're created to be love. 
And God, you weren't angry with me. You loved me so much that you sent your son. You could have judged me. You could have smote me. You could have turned me into dust. You could have came and got in my face. Instead, you put my sin on your son and it pleased you to do it so you could get to me and obtain me. So, Father, I surrender the right to be angry. I have no right to live in the flesh. I have no right to live self-centered. You made me in your image. When you do that alone with God in prayer, it changes everything. Because grace comes and meets your willingness. Grace comes and meets you. So look, you're not praying that way if you're not willing. Which would really challenge some of us to go deeper than just confession. Because if you aren't praying that way, you have to question, am I willing? Are you following me? <laughs> it's just a good challenge. So go pray that way. And your faith goes this way and grace comes this way. And God begins to etch and mold and shape your lives. The hands of God go into your heart and begin to form your heart after him. That's what grace does. It's the empowerment of God. It's the supernatural ability of God. So as you're alone with God in that communion place, the hands of God, the very grace of God comes and begins to fashion you from the inside out. Oh, how sweet is that? You like that? You want that, don't you? And then he, and then he takes the little tarp and goes, ta-da. Isn't that sweet? Because you seek him in the secret and he meets you there and rewards you in the open with a life transformed. And you get thrown into something where your flesh used to go, and now you respond in the spirit because you've been with him. Now you're not trying to apply sermons to your life. The words become flesh and dwells among us. Are you getting that? Come on, that sure beats religion because religion is boring and then you're not even sure what the big deal is. And you better keep your heart alive in this thing. I'm telling you, is Satan would love to eat your lunch and make you apathetic in the things that matter most. Serious. And then the only thing you're giving attention to is the things that touch you certain ways because all of a sudden you realize you're reduced to you matter most. That's what happens. Instead of him. It's Christ in you. That's what, that's, what, that's what we're pursuing. Amen? And you're growing. Enjoy the growing process. Don't condemn yourself. Don't get discouraged. Don't throw in the towel. Don't talk yourself out of what God's doing in your life. If you bump into an expression of weakness... Rejoice that you see it for what it is that lights in your life and that God's increasing you and growing you. Don't jump ship. Don't throw in the towel. Don't take one big step backwards and about face. Well, I should know better by now. Well, if I was going to get this, I'd get it by now. Don't talk like that. That's deception. That would be like God watching your life saying, boy, if they were going to get saved, they'd be saved by now. Might as well look somewhere else. You know how we do that to people? You know how we do that to God? If God was going to heal, he'd have healed by now. So-and-so prayed, so-and-so prayed. The whole church has been praying. If they're going to be healed, they'd be healed by now. And human reasoning and intellect starts being our wisdom. And we're letting our experience define the situation instead of who God is. 
And now we're telling God who he is because we're looking with our eyes and thinking with our mind. <laughs> Us brilliant folks. <laughs> we got it all figured out. <laughs> well, you can just see, okay, I'll, I'll get there. Watch this. But as many as received him, verse 12, to them, he gave the right to become what? Children of God. So he wants his kids back. So he didn't die on the cross because you're a sinner. He died on the cross because you're a lost son. He had to die because you sinned. But he didn't want to leave you that way. Because that's not who you are. You're a lost son. He wants your sonship back. That's sweet. All my life I was taught he died on the cross because I'm a sinner. No, he died on the cross because I'm a lost son. He had to pay the price of his life because I've sinned. But he died because I'm a lost son. There's value to my life. If I was just a sinner, why die for me? Why die for me if I'm just a sinner? You don't pay much for nothing, guys. You wouldn't be wearing even the thing you're wearing on your body right now if you didn't think it was worth whatever you paid for it or somebody bought it for you that thought it was worth it. The reason you bought the car you drive is because you thought it was probably a good deal and it was worth the price. Jesus shed his blood for you because he knows what you're worth when you see who you are in him. <laughs> Come on, that's just real. And yet that has so been so masked and undermined in the church, that one truth right there, which is life-changing to me. If I'm just a sinner, why would you die for me? Now I have the potential of sonship and manifesting love. I can, I can walk in the light. I can leave a legacy. I can write history. Heaven forever can remember my life lived on the earth. <laughs> People can know him and live forever because I walked in mercy, forgave, and God used my life to enter people in. People can know him because he's known me. Boy, that sure beats just getting things the way you feel like you need them and want them and having it your way. <laughs> it's like the old Burger King phrase Nothing. I like Burger King <laughs> have it your way in five minutes have it Yahweh for the rest of your life yeah <laughs> but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name now watch you were not born of just blood or of the will of flesh, or of the will of man. Wow. So you're not here because a man and a woman came together. You're here because God saw your day way before it was seen. You're not happenstance. You're not here because two people did what two people do. Yeah. <laughs> or, or I'm probably the product of my dad having a few Budweiser's and mom was looking good I'm more than that I wasn't planned I wasn't expected dad's come home drunk and he was young he wasn't even 20 you're not even 20 and you're drunk and you're married you got all kinds of expectations and 
They're probably not saying, I love you, and I want to put my seed into you and reproduce after God's own kind. And as I come into you and release the seed into your womb, I want to bless you and, and bless the life that's coming into your womb because in a vision, I saw a child named Dan. And ah. no, he's like, girl, I'm feeling this thing. Let's get it on. And all of a sudden, there I was. See, if I think I'm no more than that, I need some kind of inner healing or some kind of deeper value. Yeah, but Lord, I'm just a product of my dad's lust. He was drunk all the time for 20 years growing up. Never remember him saying, I love you, Dan. Remember him being angry and frustrated and telling me I'd never be nothing. What does any of that have to do with truth? And why should any of that hinder truth from being my reality? When it's just the reflection of a man that didn't know what we're preaching. Why do we make that God? When it's not. <laughs> it's just the peril of sin and it's confused humanity. Why do I let that? I don't know what you handed me here, buddy. I forget, but it was vertical and now it's horizontal. <laughs> it's possessed. Cast it cast that turns. thing out. Oh, it's because I turned the phone. Yeah. See see how caveman I am? I am so caveman. People are like, you preach the gospel, you can't even do a cell phone. <laughs> These are the God begotten, not blood begotten, not flesh begotten, not sex begotten. The message has a good grip. That's what the message Bible says in that verse. Some people are really troubled by all these translations. The message says, these, the children of God, they're God begotten. They're not blood, flesh, or sex begotten. They're predestined by God. They're the will of God. Martha? I'll repeat it. Go ahead. them he gave right to become sons so it's right. not really talking about a physical birth well it is a physical birth too in other words you wouldn't be on the earth if God didn't predestine you and see you before time his whole goal for sending the son is because you're here you're already here why are you here because he saw you way back when he saw your day he wouldn't leave you lost he couldn't leave you that way so he sent the son so I understand what you're saying Martha he's he's talking about these people are born of 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 God now they're born again but where did man come from in the first place he predestined you Ephesians 1 before the he saw you before time so are you here just because a man and a woman came together Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be If all I see is what you're saying, that he's just talking about the born-again experience, I might not believe the born-again experience because I might feel like I'm just an accident and God really doesn't care. I'm just the product of a rape. I'm just the product of a drug addict woman who hooked up with a guy that she was prostituting and I'm really not the will of God. I'm just here because of my mom's life. 
I don't even know who my dad is. See, you have to take this deeper than just your born-again experience. You're here on purpose. Your life is the will of God. Your existence is because he said so and saw you before time. Ephesians teaches that. Ephesians says you were predestined before the foundation of the world. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This thing was all seen through the heart of God. He saw you here today. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the pain of the cross. So you follow me? What Martha's saying is absolutely true. What he's, what, you can only be born again by the Spirit of God and the will of God. But here's the deal. As many as received him, who has the right to receive him? So is everyone the will of God. It's important you preach it that free and clear so everybody, so nobody, because here's what happens. Well, that works for you, but it's just not for me. Well, I know that God thing with you. Well, I know you say God, but I just, I just don't see. I've had people literally tell me the gospel's for everybody but them. Out of their mouth. Yeah. Linda, did you have something? What we're saying is that when we were born to our mom and dad, mm-hmm. that God was watching us. Life comes from God. It says you're formed in your mother's womb. I mean, he, he saw... That he saw your days. They were numbered. In other words, he actually saw the longevity of your life before you were born. It doesn't mean he numbers your days, but he sees your days. Isn't that amazing? Because we think he numbers our days. No, he sees your days. You can honor your mother and father, and it's the first commandment with a promise, and your life will belong. You can set your love upon him, and with long life, I'll satisfy you. People through the life and death of their tongue can add to their life or subtract to their life. You don't have a time card that's being punched. God just, he's omniscient. He knows all things, so he sees the beginning to the end. So he knows your journey, and he knows your days. Okay. It is unscriptural for us to think that God brought you forth and said administratively, on July such and such at 12 o'clock, I'm taking you. That is unscriptural. It doesn't say there's appointed time for man to die. It's appointed once for man to die. We're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Power of life and death is in our tongue. We reap what we sow. There's people go places they should have never gone and a bad thing happens. There's people that just decide to race on the road and they're going 110, lose control and get killed. That is not because God administratively said on this day you will die. But we teach that way. We think that way. We grow up religious that way. And that's why people have a hard time relating to God, understanding God. And the devil loves when we believe this stuff because it steals intimacy with God. Because he's this strange, mystical, administrative being that we can't relate to that gives us good things and then snatches them out from under us. That's how we see God then growing up. Who's grown up with that opinion that, that, that God's taken all these people, that he saw that time and administrated that, and hey, buddy, when your time card's up, it's over for you. 
If that's true, then how can God add to your days and it be long, life be long? So if you don't honor your mother and father and you just live obstinate and you just say whatever and you just harden your heart, you could shorten your days and go way before you would have ever needed to. Wonder if you live by faith. Wonder if you just live by faith and walk in love. And just have a belief that you could just fulfill all the will of God. And you live that way your whole life. And you live to an old ripe age. And you just know that you're about ready to go. And your journey's up. And you call your family around. And you bless them and prophesy over them. And tell them to follow your example as you follow Christ. And go to sleep that night. Yeah. Boy, I got hands flying up everywhere. Dan. And then after we are born, God watches us go all through all the junk we go through and until we get born again. Well, God's always there. He sees everything. He's watching everything. So, so he's working to get his word in our hearts. He's wooing us to himself. He's drawing us. He's sowing seeds into our life. He's watering those seeds. He's not a commando, robo-Christian commando, remote control, God. He's a father. He's not controlling your life. He's wooing you to him. If I be lifted up, I draw all men unto me. But it didn't seem like he was wooing me. It seemed like... That's not... Watch this. He's, I, mean, I didn't know him, but it I understand. awful. Watch what's wooing you. The cross of Jesus Christ. The fact that he opened your heart up to hope through Jesus. Christ came. That's the wooing of God. Christ crucified as a manifestation of God's love. Here's what felt awful. Life. The flow of life. The pain of life. The definition of life. The mindsets of life. The view of life. It's all under the fall. We strategically by the devil have been trained that God's in all that. And he's in none of it. All God's guilty of is sending his son while we were lost. And making everything that's wrong right. <laughs> it's all God's guilty of. All God's guilty of is sending redemption and the message of hope and help through his son. We've made God guilty of all kinds of stuff. There is people fuming mad at God as we speak. Fuming mad. Flesh. And blood, having the right, so proud in our own deception and delusion and feelings and sentiments and our own right to life. See, that's what we've got through this, that right to life through sin, our own life. No, our rights to life through Christ. So, so there's flesh and blood right now so mad at God because they're sure he's wrong and they have all their human wisdom laid out on a list of just their vendetta and gripe against God. And they're on this thing at God. Don't tell me about God. <sighs> well, if God was, where was he when? <clears throat> and if God was, where was he? He was here with all his promises, the authority of the name of Jesus, the power of his spirit, but only through repentance, only through a humble, teachable heart, only through denying yourself. Can you be born again and enter into him? As many as... So strategically... Enemy designed. Okay, here's a good one. How open-ended 
Has your idea of God been your whole life? Maybe he will, maybe he won't. God's a mystery. He's so mysterious. Who can figure him out? Maybe he'll save us. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll stop him. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything else is of the evil one. So where did this open-end gospel doctrine come from that says maybe he will, maybe he won't, and God is this, and one day he's that, and he might for you, but he won't for them, if God sovereignly, we've taken the sovereignty of God and just destroyed it. We've made God sovereign against his own word, that he has the right to change his word if he wants to. Guys, his word is his integrity. He could swear by no greater, so he swore by his name, and he magnified his word above his name. So his word is higher than his name, and he swears by his name, and his word is the absolute of his name. This thing isn't difficult, but we just do more thinking, thinking than we do seeking and understanding. We're real quick to have opinions. The Bible says, be slow to speak slow to anger and real quick to listen and we're almost always the opposite especially if we're not saved we're completely opposite if we're not saved full of feelings full of emotion have a whole lot to say and our ears aren't listening and, and, and even if the answer's coming, we, we are bombarded with so many questions that we're not even hearing the answer because of the ten questions That's the way we've lived our lives. Because we've already settled truth in our mind. And now we have rebuttal a lot of times in life. And especially this God thing. People have rebuttal. They don't even have questions. I'm not talking about you guys in the school. I'm I'm saying it in life. People have rebuttal. They don't even have questions. It's rebuttal. If you listen to questions sometimes, I get them in the church sometimes. When you hear questions, people aren't even asking a question. They're making a statement in their question. You have to be very careful that you ask a question in the right heart. That you seek to understand. That you're slow to speak. Slow. I was just, I, I had a fun experience in Iowa months ago. Back in April, I, this guy picks me up. Has his father-in-law. His father-in-law. It's full of issues, full of questions, full of, I'm not staring, I'm not belittling him, you understand what I mean. I come out and the pastor picks me up, we're going to drive four hours to go to their church for Easter weekend. He picks me up, he has his father-in-law. And he said, how was your week here at Teen Challenge? I said, man, it was fun. I mean, there's a guy completely healed of cancer, they can't find a trace of cancer's body. There's a guy, they can't find a trace of hepatitis in his blood. And there's a whole lot of stuff. There's a man that's, needs to retire because his knees are so bad he can't walk around anymore and he's running and go up and down the steps. There's a wife who doesn't have to have a surgery because her knees are healed. It's just all kinds of good things. So I start kind of sharing the highlight list of the week because he said, how was your week? What's God doing here? To the car, right? We get to the car and the guy, I don't even know him. I just hugged him. Hey man, how are you? Good to meet you. So all those things just happened this week. Well, yeah. Well, then how come and why aren't the hospitals all empty? And how come you're not in just empty in all the hospitals? And I'm like. (laughs) 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 
so by the time we sit in, I tried, I, I, I tried to respond. I got about three words out and four more questions flew out. So I tried to respond to one of the four questions and about six more questions came out. And we sat in the chair and, and see, you see, you know, I'm a loving guy. You know, I'm not trying to hurt nobody. But uh, will you put me in a position like that? I love you enough to be straight with you. If you're going to treat me like that, then you better stand up and be a man. And I said, I said, Jim, I said, I hear you got a lot of questions, but I got one for you. Do you ever read your Bible? Because I don't think you do. Because your questions reveal it. You've been trapped doing so much thinking that you've been kept from the truth. And pride has you thinking and trapped in your own mind, in your own opinions. And if you were a humble man, you'd read your Bible because that's where truth is. And that's how I talked to him in the car. I said, for one thing, it says be slow to speak, slow to anger and quick to listen. And you are the total opposite. I said, if I were in your shoes as a confessing Christian, I'd be concerned that I was living totally contrary to the word. And I said, I think your life and your expression and dealing with that is a lot more important than these questions that are driving you. But if you would humble yourself, there is answers for your questions. I said, in fact, let's just go to Matthew 17. So I, no, no, you don't have to. So I took him to Matthew 17. You guys are amazing students. They're turning their page. So I took him to Matthew 17 and I said, read this. I said, and then we're going to talk through it and you're going to see that you might be the one you need to point to and get a grip on instead of God and the gospel. Because you have the great privilege of manifesting Jesus in the kingdom. And instead of cultivating truth in your heart and faith in your heart, you're just pointing fingers and blame shifting and passing your life away. And in the end, you're going to find you were called and you were anointing to carry the kingdom. And you left pride in your hard heart, subvert your destiny. I actually do read my Bible. So you don't want to put me in that position if you're not ready to hear truth because I will cut you to pieces <laughs> with the Word of God. <laughs> I really will because I love you. I won't let you live that way without thinking twice. <laughs> I, had, I had two swords out. <laughs> now watch how cool this was. Watch how merciful God is. He takes his Bible and I, or my Bible, I hand it to him, and he says, well, I'm not ever going to be able to read this. I don't even know why I left the house. And, didn't, and now he's humbled. I, I, I talked to him. All them things I just said to you, I said, and now he's sitting there. He's real quiet. His heart's turned. He's very humble, which is encouraging because you can find a humble place in a man. And he's in a good place right now. It's a real good place. So he said, I can't read this. I don't know why I left without my glasses. I can't see anything with my glasses. That's one big blur to me. And he said, so you'll have to read it. And I said, okay. And he handed me a Bible. And the Holy Spirit was like, what are you doing? And I said, well, Jim, how about, he's sitting in the front, I'm in the back. I said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. How about this? And it was why authority was there, Holy Spirit. I said, I see in Jesus' name. I said, now read. That's exactly how it went. I said, I see. I said, now read. It was one of those moments where Holy Spirit just said, bam, it was, just, it, was, it was actually in that realm of a gift kind of grace, faith thing. Handing him the Bible, and it was all command stuff, kind of like stretch forth your hand, take your bed and walk. I said, I see, now read. I hand him the Bible, he holds it way down here, and he's going, I said, why are you holding it way down there? 
I said, you're only doing that because that's what you would try to do when you couldn't see. Hold it where every man would hold a book. I pulled it up there and he went, and he's just standing there and I said, what's going on? He said, he looked at his son-in-law who's driving. He said, I can actually read this. I said, of course you can. I said, real authoritative. I was real aggressive right now. I wasn't being arrogant. I said, of course you can. Now read. Because it was keeping him in a place. Humble. Of course you can. I didn't want him to get into, wow, dude, you're really gifted. Oh my God. No. Ah! I said, of course you can. Of course you can. Now read. Because we wanted to get to why he could see. Right? Who knows that that was a pretty good attitude adjustment? Humbling. Isn't that cool? His son-in-law was weeping. And I elbowed him a little and he smiled and he said, We're going to have a good weekend. (laughs) He was crying. He's weeping. He said, We're going to have a good Easter weekend. I said, We're going to have a real good Easter weekend. So, isn't that fun? So you're not threatened by that stuff. But who sees that attitudes like that are so permissible to people? Because the deception is they're fixed on being right and proving wrong. Right, wrong. And in the process, totally miss the heart of God. And they're just another puffed up person with an opinion. And no revelation in their heart. So they're letting life be their teacher. And their own vacuum is their identity. It's a shame. You don't want to live there. You don't want to be the great debater, opinionated person. You want to read your Bible. <laughs> you know why? Where the disciples prayed for the epileptic boy and he wasn't healed. Because his whole beef and all his questions he was throwing out is then why isn't everybody healed and how come God's letting people die and how come we're praying and the cancers are still killing and da 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 and he had issues. He was suffering loss and hurt and, 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 and as soon as God's the culprit, sure sign you're deceived. As soon as God's the one that you're looking at with the issue, sure sign you're deceived. Because he sent his son while you were lost. <laughs> he's a very good God. <laughs> and now that he saved you, he's not playing charades with your mind. He didn't come out like he is through Jesus, and now he's playing charades. Tempting you to sin. All the answers are here. We, we fight over this stuff because we, aren't, we don't honor his word. We honor our opinions. We value our opinions way, way more than the Word of God in most cases. Simple things like the thorn in the flesh. We fight over it. My own Bible notes say it is very important not to get dogmatic over this matter and debate over this matter because it's no way to be sure what the thorn actually was. And many say it's ophthalmalia and anidas and many say this and that. But we should find a place of peace and agree to disagree. And I just couldn't disagree more. Because it's easy to answer Paul's thorn through the word of God. Because if Paul was sick and promised healing, he couldn't say what he said to Paul. But if Paul was persecuted and he promised persecution for living godly, then Paul's asking God to remove something that he already promised he'd go through. And that's how God could respond the way he did. 
How can God give you a promise in the Bible and say he's faithful to his word without turning or shifting of shadow? Then you hold him to his promise in relationship and love with a pure heart and sincerity. And God turned the table on you and tell you he sovereignly changed his mind. And he's God and you're not. And his grace is enough. You need to just hang in there. If you taught your children that way, it would be a form of child abuse. You would teach them how to never honor your word. And the reason Satan loves when we bite the bait on this stuff is because it devalues the honor of the word. And now God really didn't mean what he said. Are you following me? You all are just staring at me like... Paul said, remove this thing, etc. If Paul was sick, are there promises for healing? Does he forgive all sin and heal all disease? Does he say, ask whatever you ask in my name, believing it shall be done? Does he say, unless, of course, I've sovereignly changed my mind at the time or see fit to do otherwise? We say that. That's not in your Bible. Did he, show, did he say to Paul, I will show you the things you must suffer for my namesake? Did Paul say after Acts 21, when he finally gets the point, and if you look chronologically, it's after all this stuff happened. Did Paul rise up and say, listen, all I know is this. Every city I go to, the Holy Spirit tells me there's chains imprisonment waiting me there. But none of these things move me anymore. None of these things move me because I don't count my own life dear so that I can fulfill the will of the one who called me. That's his triumphant statement towards the end of Acts. So what happened to Paul? He got the lesson. What's he saying all along the way? Man, I'm beat this, I'm beat this, I'm beat this, I'm, 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 I'm beat this. He's sharing all the ways he's persecuted. And then he says, right on the heels of that, that this thing's buffeting me, blows to the flesh, and I pleaded three times with God. What's he saying? God, could you just watch my back? I mean, look, I'm willing to go to all these cities, but the every, do I have to preach and get pummeled? Do I have to preach and get stoned? Do I have to preach and get whipped? Do I have to preach and get beat with rods? Every time I open my mouth and speak your name, a rock's hitting me in the head. Could you just lighten this thing up a little bit? Paul, I already told you the things I, you must suffer for my name's sake. Paul, I already said those who choose to live godly will suffer persecution. My grace will get you through. You keep preaching my word. You'll be all right. Just keep preaching. And now he's stoned and he gets right back up and goes what? Right back into the city. Come on, the word easily answers what he's talking about. The chapter before he makes the comment, which it's not a chapter, it's all one letter. That's where we make the big mistake. We broke it into chapters. Some, we had some bright idea to make it chapters. And it's one big letter. And that's hurt more people than you can imagine. Because we read them as separate chapters. It's one big letter. And he's setting this whole thing up with the previous 2 Corinthians 11. He's setting the whole thing up. Of all his perils, all his perils. Not one place is the word sickness used. Even when he uses the word infirmity, if you look it up, it's implying human weakness because he interchanges the two, infirmity and weakness, in the same sentence. Meaning human weakness. 
What's human weakness? I can't take these whips anymore. Come on, you're not just beat once, you're beat three times. Now five times. After you're beat one time, you know what's coming. After you're beat twice, you really know what's coming. And now you know they're going to beat you the third time and your flesh is going, you've got to be kidding, not again. Get real with me. So they weren't throwing palm leaves and branches, worshiping Paul as he came into the city. They weren't making him the icon preacher of the nation. He wasn't the keynote speaker at all our great conferences. He said, I feel like the off-scouring and scum of the earth. I'm getting pummeled for what I believe. God, this isn't a proud place. It's keeping me pretty humble. (laughs) Isn't that what it said? This thing's buffeting him? At least pride? At least to be the hotshot revelation preacher of the hour? Paul, I just can't believe your revelation. You're amazing. Ain't nobody like you. Well, it ain't my fault. Jesus told me himself. I'm just telling you what he said. Don't stroke me, stroke him. He's the Lord. There's no teacher but Christ. That's Paul. But you know what we do to stuff like that? So he's just getting persecuted and pummeled, and he's going, God, can you, can you lighten this thing up? No. It's all good. My grace is way greater than the weakness of your flesh. Keep being a man of God. And he stopped asking him. Must have received the grace. If you look at the rest of Paul's life, you can tell. He counts his own life not dear. So he can fulfill his will. And we're still fighting over what the thorn was when the word makes it clear. If God promised healing, could Paul have possibly been sick? Okay. Who has, who has Vicky, you have children. You have, you have one here. Okay. So if you raised this young lady up and you told her when she was a little girl, honey, it's just right to clean your room and there's certain things about your life that you need to stay disciplined in and just good home, homekeeping manners and you're teaching her the things that you go, and you got her. And, and, and honey, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You walk in this manner and you give her a little assignment as a young girl to just be disciplined, diligent, good regiment, good housekeeping in her bedroom, whatever. And mommy's going to bless you after about four months. I'm going to check this out on this. And, and as you're walking in this, and it's symbolic to our life of faith and walking out and fe- no fear. And, and, and all of a sudden, Vicky says, Shiloh, honey, you walk in this and you and I are going to go here. And it's like our favorite place. And she's like, really, mommy? Really? Absolutely, baby. You do that. And it's just you and me, girl. We are going to ride. You know what I mean? And Shiloh's just diligently. And she's just a little thing, right? So all of a sudden, the four months comes and mom is sovereign in the house. Do you understand what that means? Mom's mom. She's just the child. So mom's the sovereign being in the house. She's the authority. See, the house is subject to her decisions in this thing. In other words, she carries the weight, right? So all of a sudden, Shiloh says, Mommy, you know, I, I did everything you said. And you're checking it out. And you say, yeah, you did. Okay, now we can go here. You said if I this, you'll this. Well, I know I did, sweetheart, and that was back four months ago, and it was right that you did all this, and it was good, but you got to understand that mommy 
right now I changed my mind. I don't think it's best we do that. What do you mean, mommy? But you said. Well, I know what I said. But you have to understand, you're just a little girl. I'm mommy. One day maybe you'll understand. But the truth is, I can't right now. I know what I said. But mommy, you said. No, no, honey, I, I understand I said, but it's still right for you to do all these things. And, but, but you have to understand that we're not going to go there. I just don't, don't want to take you right now. I'm not going to do it. And just know I love you, baby. Okay? Add that to another time or another time. By age 10, what has she taught Shiloh to do? Never take mom at her word. And that is exactly what the devil has done to the gospel. If God has magnified his word above his name, and we're all crying out in Jesus' name, but through the word failed to uphold the integrity and honesty of that name, then we're just speaking religious jargon. And we've reduced his name to abracadabra, and we're hoping a rabbit pops out of the hat. You guys follow me? Do you think the analogy I just shared is acceptable for her to parent that way? Then why do you think because God is sovereign, we should give him permission to change his mind concerning his word he gave us? Jesus was the word made flesh. You show me where Jesus sent mixed messages. Did he? So, if Jesus is the Word made flesh, and we know God through Jesus, and now we're trying to define God through these other ways, I wonder if we're trapped in the way that seems right to man, and we're reversing back to human intellect and reasoning, and the life of Jesus is no longer our teacher. It's our lives. And now if somebody doesn't get healed, we protect ourselves by coming up with all these other reasons. And we come up with things that try to comfort our heart and make us feel better about what we're confused over and hurting over. Unfortunately, it's at the cost of truth, and truth is the only thing that makes us free. And if you can't find it in the life of Jesus, why is it in our vocabulary? If Jesus never said it, just say concerning healing. If Jesus never said, if it be, your, if it be God's will... If Jesus never said, it's not your time. If Jesus never said, well, look, I would, but I can't because God's building character in your life and he's ordained this to work things in you and mature you. If Jesus never said that to anyone that was sick, why do we say all those things all the time? If he's Lord and he said, follow me because they seem right to man. But if you can't find it in the mouth or the life of Jesus, why is it in our mouths when he's in us and we're in his image? <sighs> Sounds like we value our opinion still way more than his word. Watch this. And the word became what? Flesh. So you're born of the will of what? Whoa. I love the message. <laughs> I did. What's it say? Not flesh bought? No, yeah, not flesh bought. 
These are God begotten, not blood begotten, flesh begotten, or sex begotten. He covers the whole picture, born again and predestined before time. That covers the whole picture. It's good. It's healthy. And the word became flesh. So God put a life, a body, a man on his word. He fleshed himself out. Jesus is the ta-da of God. God came out like he is through a man. His word took on a body and lived life. That's literally what happened. (laughs) His word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What's he full of? Grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me. He was before me. And of his fullness we all have received grace and more grace and grace on top of grace and grace for grace. Amen? For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Watch, there's a reason I'm reading all this. Well, let me say this again. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Look, no one. What's it say? No one. one. Come on, be humble with me. I'm making a real strong point here in the Holy Ghost. Who? No No one. There's so many opinions tossed out there about God. We do it ourselves in the church all the time. No one has ever seen God at any time. The only begotten, the Son of God, the Word made flesh, who's in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him to us. So if what you say about God does not agree with the life Jesus lived and what He said by living that life, then what are we saying? Because no one has seen Him unless you've seen the Son. You define an Old Testament God, you're deceived. Because the Old Testament was pointing to what was to come. Everything is pointing to Christ. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. It's a type and shadow. It's allegories. It's pointing to what was to come, the new and living way. If all you have is an Old Testament understanding of God, you'll be way deceived. If you go back and define God in the Old Testament and try to bring it into the new and don't interpret it through Christ and through grace and truth, You have a misunderstanding of who the Father is. That's how the church got legalistic. That's where the shepherding thing people talk about that hurt a lot of folks came into play and all that stuff. That's where the hell and brimstone preaching came from too. Come on, be humble with me. Verse 18. Who? No one. Come on, just narrowing things down. No one has seen God at any time until you've looked to Jesus. And once you look at Jesus, you've finally seen the Father. 
If your definition of God does not line up to the life Jesus lived and the expression of God through Jesus' life, then why are we saying it? Why are we preaching it? Why are we thinking it? Why are we believing it? If we say stuff like, well, yeah, but sometimes, brother, God just chooses to this and God chooses that. That's the same voice Eve heard in the garden and she was sure deceived. Where do you get that? Well, God sometimes, yeah, but brother, you got to understand God sometimes just, where do you get that? You get that through life, not through the Son. You show me through the Son where God says that and does that. You get that through life. Well, yeah, but God doesn't always heal, brother. Show me that through the Son. I need somebody to show me that through the Son. Because no one at any time has ever seen God, but the Son has declared Him. You show me that through the Son that He doesn't heal all the time. Somebody has to show me that through the Son. Nobody can. Then why are we saying otherwise? You see that's on me right now? Do you see what's on me? I don't even want to feel this way. It's so serious. It's incredible. Why are we so quick to speak and slow to listen? No one has seen God at any time until we've seen the Son. Now we've seen God. Yeah, but He doesn't always heal, Dan. Show me that through the Son. Well, yeah, but sometimes God lets His judgment fall, Dan. Show me that through the Son. It's the same voice that Eve heard. And it's deception. And we're biting the bait and eating the fruit. And taking the fall. Again and again and again and again. God said, lay your hands on the sick and they recover. We say, but not everyone. God said, don't eat the tree. It's the day you surely die. The voice says, Oh, you're not going to die. God just knows. And the day you eat the tree, you'll be... So go ahead. It's okay. God didn't mean what he said. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Philip. 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 Oh, Philip, you're awesome. I love you, Philip. Ah. Right? Can you imagine Jesus? Philip. Can I have fun with you? Philip, oh, you little knucklehead, Philip, 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 buddy, have I been you, with you all this time, and yet you say, show us the Father? Ah, oh, Philip, don't you know that when you see me, you've already seen the Father? Hello? Colossians 1.15, he's the visible image of the invisible God. But it's amazing how we have thousands of churches, denominations, camps, streams, because we can't agree on one thing. Jesus is the will of God revealed. We've let life define the will of God instead of Jesus' life. And we've left our opinions and our experiences. Some of us are protecting them. So we'll build a doctrine to protect our experience and start another river that God never dug the bed for. Do you honestly think that all these denominations on the earth are the will of God? 
There's not one person that could possibly think that and be sincere. It's because we've gotten our eyes off the sun. And honestly, the word says no one has ever seen God until they've seen the sun. But once you've seen the sun, now you know the Father. Hebrews 1 says in the former days he spoke to the fathers through the prophets. He's talking about the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, in the former days. But in these last days he has spoken. He has spoken through his Son. And he is the expressed image of of who he is and the outring of his brightness. You cannot know God nor his will unless you humble yourself through the Son. And when you see Jesus, you know the Father. And if you can't find your doctrine in Jesus' life, then why is it in your belief system? If he is the will of God revealed. He's on a Mount of Transfiguration. Moses pops up. Elijah pops up. And there is Jesus. Peter wants to build a tabernacle for all three. And God says, Moses and Elijah disappear, by the way. Are they important? Of course they're important. They both pointed to the sun. But now the sun's here. They both disappear. And God says, God says, this is my beloved son. Hear him. In these last days, he has spoken. If God's still speaking, which I believe he is, it better be through the son or you're not hearing his voice. Yeah, but God told me. Yeah, but I heard. Yeah, but I had a dream. <laughs> so you had a dream. <laughs> what does that mean? If it's not through the sun, if it's... With me? Twelve o'clock. This will be the last comment question. We have to stop. Okay, I've been hearing you say this and listening very closely. And you, you, God said, "Peace on earth, goodwill towards men." And I'm sitting here and I can't stop thinking about that. You talked about internet yesterday and all these prophets getting on the internet and putting forth all these words that came are coming from God, but yet they're speaking. And I mean disrespect, I'm just being honest. I understand what you're saying. Negativity and curses and, and destruction in, in lands and on nations and situations and peoples and condemning ministries. What if that's not really God? And what if we actually started turning around and speaking positive and life and peace on earth and goodwill towards men? Because if Jesus is really speaking now, just as you are teaching right now, then we shouldn't be saying that kind of stuff. And that's a pretty... pretty um, that's not a good place to be. There's a lot of people that say a lot of things out of their soul. I was laying on my bed one morning very early years ago. The reason stuff comes on me and I get so, I don't mean to yell out like I did a while ago. I don't feel that way towards one human being on the earth. 
But I'll tell you what, that sure gets in me when I talk about it in the big picture. See? Because that's pretty sobering when you start yelling that out. No one has seen. I've never preached this before like this. You're not going to find a DVD or a CD since I've been saved that walked through John and preached what I just preached today. But it's there, isn't it? Because we're not in a hurry, are we? We're not looking on the surface, are we? My Bible says no one has seen God. But Jesus has declared him. That means if you're not defining God through Jesus, you don't have a clue what you're talking about. How's that for humble? But see, pride doesn't like that. Pride hates being called pride. And pride is surely the fall of man. The need to be right. I was accused and attacked years ago by the little gossip thing that unfortunately happens in the church. And somebody heard something I said and interpreted it a certain way and took it personal and shared it with a friend and that friend shared it with a friend and a friend's friend and that friend with another friend. It is amazing, but it happens. Daily, actually. God, have mercy on us. The key is that you don't let that change you. And the truth is you walk into the middle of that and all of a sudden it comes out when everybody's already settled in belief. Everybody's always already established their belief and no one's even talked to you. And now 10 people have a bad thought and a bad belief and a bad impression and you don't even know what's going on. <laughs> and I walked into the hall of the church and I said, hey, and I loved on somebody and I hugged somebody. And because belief was festering, belief, this woman couldn't take no more. She, How dare you? And I'm like, whoa. I mean, seriously, she was just way mad. Come in here like that. Hi, you, and hug and love when you said this and believe that. So what she said is, you snake, you're a hypocrite. You're a... And I'm like, whoa, this is deep. And I said, honey. I said, that step in the office just for this. Oh, yeah. Just want to pull it out of the, just hide it in the dark, sweep it in a corner so nobody hears no. No, honey, that's not what I'm saying at all, sweetheart. There's children, people that don't understand. There's innocent. I don't even understand. I said, look at me, sweetheart. I said, obviously, I'm on a cross. I just need to know why. So we can talk it out. And if I've done wrong, let's work it out. And all of a sudden, it hit her that she had a total belief system and have never even talked to me. All of a sudden it hit her that she was the victim of hearsay and never had the courtesy and respect and integrity to call me and ask me what's going on or if I said something. But I had become the worst in her eye. So now when I'm loving on somebody, which I do, it repulses her because that's not who I am now. And I saw the horror in her eyes. It was the grace of God resolved it. I saw her eyes horrify because she's always had totally, this woman has totally loved me. And she realized she was snared by the gossip thing and the hearsay thing. 
And, and, and she started to cry. I said, no, no, it's okay, honey. I just need to know what's going on. Come on. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Now she wasn't even like, hey, did you do this or say this? She's just already sorry. So she didn't even need to. It was already, she realized she was snared. But I asked what's going on. I needed to find out what's going on because I wanted to quench that fire, right? And she told me, I went, oh, my goodness. And it was almost like, how does stuff happen? How could somebody hear and how could somebody? I said, sweetheart, look at me. And, she, and, and, and here's what I've learned over the years. It's good to have a good name. It's good to have a good rep. It's more valuable than fine gold and silver. Because even when that stuff happens, the good name, the precedent that's been set, the integrity, the race of honor will speak for you. <laughs> so we get resolved and we're in church. I'm hugging her. She's bawling. She feels terrible. And I'm like, stop it. Yeah, I preach enough righteousness. You shouldn't be condemned right now. <laughs> or I could be a self-centered hurt preacher and say, well, if you won't get the message of righteousness, I'll just go preach it where they want to. <laughs> it started to happen to me and God showed that to me years ago. And I went, whoa, and it puts you on your face and you put off and put on. Follow me? Yeah. So we're in worship. People are worshiping. I'm worshiping. And I glanced over and I happened to look. I didn't even know she was standing there. She's looking at her. She's not worshiping. She's looking at me. Oh. I'm like. <laughs> we're doing this little thing. Because everything's cool. Who knows things happen? People make mistakes. You better be real and secure inside and able to see them past what they did. So that night I go preach in the evening at church. And in the morning, it gets me to cry when I talk about this kind of stuff. I'll do good. I'm late. I know I'm late. I'm sorry. Guys, I'm late. If you got to cut the video off, cut the video off, whatever you got to do, I'm just sharing this last little story. I have to. In the morning, it's huge what happened to me. I opened my eyes to the presence of Almighty God. I didn't say good morning, Lord. I, I opened my eyes and he's on me, holding me in my bed. I was so undone. And he was saying stuff like, I really love you. I really appreciate you. You really please me. It's one thing for you to come up to me prophetically and say, for the Lord says he's pleased with you. And it might bring a tear to my eye and I might hear it as from the Lord. But when God Almighty's laying on top of you at daybreak, when you wake up saying, I love you, boy. I just love you. I'm so pleased with you. I'm laying there. I can't even breathe. I'm, I'm bawling now so hard because he's saying stuff like, I really love you. You really please my heart. And I'm like, I was choking to even say words because you think you're ready for that stuff. You're really never ready, but it's fun. I'm laying there and I'm like, I said, what are you doing to me? That's what I said. I'm not even going to be able to get out of bed. I mean, I'll never make it to the office. What are you doing to me? I'm just, and I was just like, stop. 
stop. <laughs> it's one of them paradox places. Stop and don't stop. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? That was my heart cry. I don't know what's, why are you wrecking me like this, telling me this stuff in a way where I can't even handle it? I don't know about you, but I hear the voice of the Lord. He changes emotion with me. Sometimes I hear him chuckle. Sometimes when he speaks to me, he gets real serious. Sometimes he's real lighthearted. Happens to me all the time. It's just, I hear the voice of God that way. He got real. Yeah. He got real serious. He said, Dan, I am so proud of you. This doesn't even sound, it sounds like blasphemy to the flesh. Because last night when you stood in the pulpit, you just spoke my heart and my word. And you didn't take the authority of the pulpit to prove a point, to save face, to protect yourself, or to address stuff. He said, how many times have my called, my anointed, taken the authority and the grace of the pulpit to push their issues, their unresolved, and proclaim their flesh? Thanks for letting nothing change you. Like nothing changes me. And I lay there and cry and cry and cry. And when I'm done crying, guess what I'm saying? Why would I want anything else? In that moment, he showed me how preacher after preacher have used this pulpit to rant and rave over their hurts and try to straighten the body out from the pulpit and Try to address this issue here in the corner or up front from the pulpit, hoping everybody's listening and getting the message. And all of a sudden, they're not even preaching inspired by the Spirit. They're just troubleshooting from the authority of the pulpit. How many ministers have gotten hurt and they're trying to get the strong amen on a Sunday from people to feel affirmed and right in what they're saying? What God said when that thing happened with the lady in the little circle of people, And you didn't let it change a thing. And he showed me that in the morning. I wasn't expecting that because that's all I know. I'm not expecting that to change a thing. But it seemed important enough for a visitation of dramatic proportion. And God was saying, you go, boy. I'm putting my heart in you. And I was like, okay, I'll take it. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? I know I make myself available. I do my best. Today's one of them days I have to bolt out. So don't anybody tackle me. I will break your tackle. I will score a touchdown. I will stiff arm you and break a tackle. I, I was a good running back when I was a young kid. So I will make it to my truck. <laughs> but I do have to run. I do have to run. And I ask you to honor that and just respect that today. And I need to bolt out of here. I haven't seen my mother for a long time. I want to go visit her. And I got a couple personal things to get done. And if I wait, it'll get too late. So thanks for understanding that, okay? Don't ever 
Don't ever, 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 especially with knowledge, let life around you dictate who you are. You are who he is inside of you. Yield to that truth. Let Jesus speak of the Father to you. And if your attitudes and your opinions and your mind and your emotions aren't agreeing with love and who Jesus is and the message he sent, then find yourself in that secret place, putting off and putting on, and let grace form you, okay? Because we have legacy to write, guys, or else we're just spending time. We have legacy to write. Your today in Christ will speak forever. Glory to his name. <laughs> every time you love unconditionally, every time you show mercy, every time you cover wrongs with right, you leave a legacy. And you reveal your father. And you reveal that you're a son and daughter. Oh, it's a sign and a wonder to the world. And it's the wisdom of God revealed. Christ in us the hope of glory. Paul said, I preach him tirelessly that grace empowers me until we come to that completed place of Christ in us, the hope of God's manifestation. Father, I bless these people. I bless every online listener. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the grace of God that abounds. We hear you, we see you through the life of Jesus. In Jesus, we follow you. Holy Spirit, thank you for working that out in us in every way. Our eyes are on you. Thanks, God. Is that, are the students getting this, all this part, or am I too late? Are they, I need you guys, there's something in my mind right now. There's, there's a fellow, I used his name last week, Nikos, and it was actually, I think, Wilbur or somebody. I, I answered another man's question thinking it was Nikos because I had read two emails. I get a lot of prayer requests. I get a lot of things. I've been very hesitant to do prayer requests all, during the class because I've just learned what happens. We'll, just, we'll, get, we'll get tons of prayer requests. And people want, a lot of times, me to pray. And you know my heart, and we're going to get on healing and stuff in time here in the school. We're the body of Christ. But this is on my heart, so I'm going to do it. I want you to turn to that camera, everybody, and stretch your hands to that camera. We're going to pray for Nikos' little girl. She's been intolerant to some foods. Nikos, I want you to get your daughter and get your wife, and you lay hands on them as the man of God, as the priest of the home. You lay hands on your wife and your daughter. I think she's nursing the little baby, and she can't eat certain things because the baby's reacting. There's just some allergy, allergic stuff, and none of it's their created value, guys. None of it's the will of God for the little baby, for the wife, for the family. We're going to pray now as the church. You guys ready to believe God? Nikos, lay your hands on that little baby. Lay your hands on your wife right now. In the name of Jesus, you be made whole. Little girl, you rise up and you be found in wholeness. No more reaction, no more allergic reaction in the name of Jesus. You be able to take of foods into your body without reaction. 
wife, you be made whole in Jesus' name in every way. Father, I thank you there is a complete restoration of wholeness in this home. I thank you you've stirred their hearts in truth, and I thank you you manifest your glory in this family. I thank you, Lord. We look to you and we receive right now, heaven on earth right now in this home. Little child, be made whole in Jesus' name. No restriction, no limitation. In the authority of Jesus' name, be completely well. And Father, I thank you that this wife can take in a normal diet and this baby respond well without complication. In the authority of Jesus' name, be completely healed. Amen? Amen. We love you guys. Bless you guys. Yay for Jesus. Anybody want a cat Bible?